welcome to the Holistic You podcast. I'm your host, James Wyler. The purpose of this podcast is to teach you the things you didn't get taught in school, to teach you the things your parents didn't teach you about living a balanced life, from career through to spirituality, knowledge through to inspiration, exercise through to wealth, and nutrition through to relationships. We help inspire you with the confidence for your own personal development journey. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming on the show, Kate Owen. And the reason I wanted to bring Kate on the show is because in line with the philosophy of the Holistic You, as everyone knows, the the reason this um, podcast came about is I was walking down Queen Street. I was super overwhelmed at the time. I was studying. I was working two jobs and I was physically stressed. And I went across the street and one of the big issue um, people called Ronnie, he actually stopped me and he said, are you okay? And at that point made me really realize that I wasn't and that I needed to have better coping mechanisms for my stress. Um, and that's why I wanted to bring Kate Owen on today. Um, and I wanted to talk to Kate really about two major concepts. The first is stress and anxiety. And then the second is also um, family relationships. My mum always talks about if we have a disagreement in the family about rupture and repair, I'm, I'm sure she actually probably got that uh, saying from you, Kate. So I'm sure everyone has seen the, the, the Keep Calm cards. Um, Kate's actually the author of those, and we certainly have those in our household, Kate. So welcome to the show. Thanks, James. I'm really excited to be here. This is my first ever podcast. So I run around Australia running workshops and um, I love chatting and talking, but I've never done a podcast, so thank you for inviting me on. Oh, wow. I feel honoured. <laughs> well, so do I. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to start off with, Kate, so the audience can get to know you a little bit better, can you just tell us exactly what you do, your why, um, and how you actually got into your field? Yeah. So, so I am a clinical psychologist and I am a clinical family therapist as well. And I've been in the counseling mental health space for 20 plus years, which reminds me because I am a helping professional, I really should have a duty of care and say, it's super great we can chat today and talk through lots of information and education. But for everybody who's listening, uh, you know, please go and see a professional if you need to. And the things that we talk about here is not a substitute for therapy. So I'll, I'll start by saying that. So I have always been like a helper. So from straight from high school, I knew that I wanted to go into psychology. And most likely that's because I'm female, which means that, you know, we get socialized into helping other people and I'm the eldest in my family and so again we're usually socialized into roles of being responsible and helping others so trundled off to study psychology and I love that and I thought oh, I feel like there's sort of something missing and it's like the, the family aspect that you know relationships the bigger picture and so then I fell in love with family therapy and I went down that pathway and so, and so now I have my clinical practice. I love putting together resources for the community, but I also am the co-director of a training institute for family therapists as well. So yeah, that's me. Wow. 
So it sounds like uh, within your job as a someone who helps people from a psychology point of view, you wear lots of hats. I wear lots of hats, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's um, fantastic, Kate. Congratulations on doing so well in your career. Just to start off with, the first episode we want to run through is stress and anxiety. So, Kate, can we define what stress and anxiety actually is? Yeah, okay, so let's start there. So I work a lot with clients on stress and anxiety and what you were describing about crossing that road so common, so normal, everybody gets anxiety, yeah? And so the way to think about anxiety is that there's a perception, whether it's real or not, that there's a threat, there's a danger, I'm overwhelmed. And then there's this underestimation of our ability to cope with the situation. And so we're perceiving that there's this big overwhelming threat in front of us and we can't cope with it. And so then we get triggered into a fight, flight, freeze response and we have thoughts, I can't cope, we have feelings, I feel really scared, we have things going on in our body and then we have our behaviour, like the actions that we want to take once we're triggered. Oh, wow. So the way you've explained it really makes a lot of sense to me. With regards to stress and anxiety, is there some physical symptoms and signs that we can pick up on to know if we're feeling that way? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'll first say that everybody might experience anxiety differently. And so I'm going to, I'll run you through a big list of signs and symptoms. And some people might have all of them. Some people might have one of them. It doesn't matter your experience of the situation. So if we start, let's start with the head and we'll work our way down. So some people will feel lightheaded and they'll feel dizzy. Some people will have like blurry vision. It's like they can't see properly or they'll feel like the world's gone flat and they've lost that depth perception. In terms of their mind, the mind will be racing. So it could be just like a scramble of ideas that feel really out of control. Or it might be that it's uh, the mind's really focused on one particular thing and there's lots of rumination, rumination on that one particular thing. The mouth can get really dry. There could be a lump in the throat, so it's hard to swallow. Then if we're moving down the body, we come to the chest area. So it might be shortness of breath, so that's shallow breathing. And, of course, the racing heart, so it feels like boom, 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 boom. In terms of our extremities, our arms, our legs, etc., they might feel like they're trembling or they're feeling really wobbly, but they also might be feeling like super tight and super tense as well. Then if we go down to the stomach area, you know, butterflies in the stomach, Uh, And then we might feel like we need to go to the toilet a lot of the time. And then in terms of temperature, some people feel really hot. They get really flushed. And then other people like me, I get really cold. And so even right now doing this podcast with you, knowing that this is the first time I've ever done a podcast, I actually have a blanket on my lap to keep me nice and warm (laughs) so that I can manage my anxiety about going through the podcast. Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to say, Kate, you're not showing it, so. <laughs> Thanks, James. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I might just add that, so they're the physical things that happen inside of us, but it's like the person that stopped you and said, are you okay? So we also have like these behavioral signs that give us clues as well, and that might be avoidance, not wanting to be in certain situations or around certain people, etc. It might be that we're, you know, constantly seeking reassurance from friends or family, like we, we feel like we need that. And 
sometimes we get cranky, we get really irritable. And that's because the saying is fight, flight and freeze. And so we're through stress, we get into this defense mode and we're just, you know, really cranky with the world. Some people might see us being on edge and hypervigilant and everything just sort of rattles us and we're jumpy. And we might not be concentrating really well. We're not sleeping very well and we don't like change. So if something new pops up, it throws us for a six and um, puts us into a bit of a spin. So those are some other sort of more behavioral signs. Wow. And whilst this is all happening, what's actually happening in the brain? What's happening up there inside? Yeah, awesome. So I really love the brain. I am like a neuroscience nerd. And so in the brain, there's this little piece of the brain. It's it's the shape of an almond and it's the size of an almond and it's called the amygdala. And this is our protector. It has been around since humans have been around. And so its number one job is to look out for danger and protect us. If we think of the amygdala like a smoke alarm, then smoke alarms will go off even if there's no fire. So, you know, if you're cooking a piece of toast and then it's burning a little bit, your smoke alarm is going to go off. And that's the same as our amygdala. The amygdala will get a whiff of something in the environment and it will trigger fight, flight, freeze because its job is to protect us no matter what. So it will always err on the side of caution. So when that happens, then the brain starts shutting down. So we have different regions of our brain and the region of the brain that shuts down when we're really stressed and anxious is the thinking part of the brain and that's the prefrontal cortex that sits behind our forehead up here. And that's why we can't talk ourselves out of anxiety because our thinking brain has gone offline and so we just lose that capacity. So, yeah, that's some stuff that happens in the brain. Wow. I can resonate with some of those symptoms, well, both from a physical point of view and and uh, also in the brain as well. You mentioned, obviously, the various signs and symptoms. So when is stress going to be bad for us? When would that be something that we potentially would need to address with someone like yourself, you know, a clinical psychologist? And or when is, is stress actually something that's potentially good for us and, and how do we know the difference? Yeah. Okay, that is a very, very good question. So I'm going to start with the notion that not all stress is bad for us. Let's start there, yeah? So everybody experiences stress and anxiety. That is a given. Now, there's research that shows that people who believe or have a perception that stress is bad for you, like you should not be stressed at all, it you know, is really super bad, and then they have a stressful life, the research shows those people actually die earlier than people who have stress in their life but don't have the belief that stress is bad for you. So it, so first of all, I hope that that really shifts a lot of people's mindsets around believing that stress is bad because it does have an impact on your health. Now, Let's take the Yerkes-Dodson law. Now, what this is, if we imagine that there's this bell curve and it talks about levels of stress and then it talks about performance, right? Now, on one side of the bell curve, if there's low stress, then there's low performance. 
So imagine today, James, that you weren't stressed at all about this podcast. And so, you know, you didn't even remember in the morning who you were going to be interviewing. And then it got to lunchtime and you were like, oh, that's right. I've got this podcast on. Oh, that's right. Oh, I've got to set up. And oh, who's this person? And and so you're probably not going to bring your A game, are you? No. Yeah, but yeah. then on the other side of the bell curve, imagine that you were like super stressed. So you were like, oh my gosh, I have to get all my questions ready. I have to get all my equipment ready. I have to make this person feel, you know, really comfortable. And then your mind's racing and you feel overwhelmed. Then you're probably going to be a bit distracted. You're going to be stumbling over your words. Um, you're going to be thinking, gosh, am I doing a good enough job? And then you're probably still not going to be bringing your A game to the podcast, right? Yeah. So then the happy medium is the middle of the bell curve where there's this research that says if we have just the right amount of stress, then that's healthy for us, it's motivating for us, and then we're going to put in effort and get the best of ourselves. So just a little bit of stress putting this podcast together, probably getting the best out of you and me as well. So I think that's a good starting place for like all your listeners to know not all stress is bad. We need a little bit of stress because then we get stuff done. But your really good question was, but when do we sort of cross that line? And it's different for everybody. So I'll just give you a few things to consider. But if a person's feeling like they are constantly in fight, flight, freeze all the time, that's, that's not good quality of life. And so that might be a red flag. Another thing is that if it's like, persisting it's lasting for a period of time and you're not feeling like oh gosh I feel like this will never end again that might be useful to go see someone when you have friends and family and loved ones saying I'm worried about you that's a big red flag to to really take notice of what's going on and when you feel like you know you're not at your best you're not functioning you're not doing the things that you could do before your quality of life has gone down then again I think you know take care of yourself and, and and go and seek some support so I thought it'd be good for your listeners just to get two tips today number one if you're feeling that way then you know we're in Australia we have a Medicare system go to your GP and then they can determine if you'd be eligible for a mental health care plan, which will then help you to go and see a professional and get some Medicare rebate back. And then the second tip is the Australian government also has a website. It's called Head to Health, and it's like this portal that links people to lots of different resources, information, apps, websites, online programs, etc., for lots of mental health challenges, whether it's anxiety, depression, parenting, et cetera, et cetera. Great. So the other tip I think we were going to go through as well was the Keep Calm cards. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Okay, so Keep Calm cards right here. <laughs> Not that people can see when they're listening to the podcast without any um, visual. Um, so after, great visual, everyone. Everyone listening, great visual. Great visual, great visual. <laughs> Makes me so, feel calm. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So after 20 years of, you know, in my clinic teaching people all these strategies, I was finding that I was, I found the ones I really love. I found the ones that, that really work. And I was, so I was repeating myself a lot. So I thought, all right, if I put the card set together, then it's like a mini cake that gets to go live in everybody's houses with them. So when they're feeling stressed, because remember, we don't think clearly when we're stressed. So it's like, just go to the box, get the cards out, do what the cards say. 
So the cards have um, two types in them. The, the blue cards are the body-based strategies because you have to start with the central nervous system. That is so important. We have to start there first. And then once we're feeling more calmer and grounded, then our thinking brain comes online and that's when you can use the fuchsia cards and that helps you to problem solve or think through the anxious situation. Um, so that's the cards. And would Kate, you... sorry. Do you yeah. mind if I just ask for the listeners... You mentioned the central nervous system. Do you mind just sharing the importance of that on keeping us calm? Okay, so um, in our body, we have lots of different systems that are going on. And when we go into fight-flight mode, we have activated the sympathetic nervous system. And that is get ready for action, right? Because I'm stressed, I need to you know, do something right now. What we need to do is dial that system down and actually turn on what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And, and that's the system that helps reduce our racing heart, helps us to reduce our blood pressure, helps us to breathe more normally. And so then we get to have our thinking brain come back online. And that's when we're being our, our best versions of ourselves. So, so does that answer that question? It, it does perfectly. I think you were going to share the other, um, the next type of cards. Um, no, no, no. What I was going to say is, okay. would you, do you want to have a go of one of these? And we can do a bit of a demo and then you'll yeah. have a go too. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I know when I say this, everyone's going to groan. They're going to say, oh gosh, we're going to do that deep breathing thing, aren't we? But I love starting with deep breathing because a lot of the time people are just not doing it right. Now, what I mean by that is everyone says, oh, take a breath, calm down. And so people take this big breath, they go like that. But the, the big breath in actually charges your body and turns on the sympathetic nervous system, the action-oriented system. Okay, so um, did you know, James, that it's the out-breath that actually calms you down? Yeah, I, I have. I actually did learn this when I was actually studying public speaking. So, because that's like you were, like you're alluding to, the the sense of trying to calm yourself down so that you don't snatch your breath and so that you pl- speak clearly through your diaphragm, um, etc. So, yes, I, I did. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So when I, if I can give your listeners a tip today, then yeah. the, the number one tip is um, if you breathe in for, say, four seconds, maybe you can only breathe in for three because of lung capacity or whatever. That's totally okay. But whatever you breathe in, you have to do a double exhalation out. And okay. that's what triggers then the calming system in the body. So if you breathe in for four you have to breathe out for eight. All right. Do you want to give it a go? I'm, oh, so I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just do. Do you count me down? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll do the counting. I'll do the counting. You do the breathing, yeah. And yep. then this is a great one for anyone who's listening as well because they can do it with us. And all we're going to do, all we're going to do literally is three breaths. That's it, right? Okay. So for you and for your listeners right now. First, do a bit of a pre-check with yourself, like just scan from the head down to your toes how you're feeling, just get a sense of how you're feeling right now. Okay. 
Okay, got it? Okay. Then I'm going to count you to breathe in through your nose, and then when you breathe out, you blow through your mouth. Okay? Go. All right. So here we go. So breathe in. One, two, three, four. Hold out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And in. One, two, three, four. Hold out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Last one in. One, two, three, four. And out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now pause. Scan your body once again. Head to toe. Can you notice a difference? Yeah, I feel way calmer. I know, three breaths, yeah. yeah. Maybe I wasn't doing it right all this time. I thought I was, but that's a different method than I've used. There's lots of different breathing techniques, yeah. and so that's the one that I teach um, people, and I always say, it works, it works, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Kate. Awesome. <laughs> okay, Did you? was there more cards that you wanted to go through with the Keep Calm cards? Well, I thought if we did a body-based one, I could also just show you um, okay. one of the cognitive ones, and then yep. that would be sort of two tips that people could take away today. Fantastic. Okay, so change the picture in your mind. So when we're stressed and anxious, it's usually because we are holding in mind something like a stressful memory or we're thinking about a stressful situation. Now, the thing is, when we hold that in our mind, it sets up all the stress chemicals and we feel affected by it. So if we change the image that's in our mind and what we're focusing on, and if we change that to a positive memory or a positive situation, a time where we felt good, safe, in control, then the more you invest in the image, your brain and your body has no choice but to release the feel-good chemicals of when you were back actually in that situation and memory. And so it's a really great way of being able to dial down all of that adrenaline and cortisol um, and to be able to get all the feel-good chemicals going in. Okay, so let's have a little test of this. So James, you don't have to say it if you don't want to, but can you think of a really good memory in your life, like a moment, a place, uh, you know, something that whenever you think about it, it just makes you smile and makes you feel great? Yeah, or hiking in the Alps because that's probably the most recent thing that I did that I really enjoyed. Which I'm super jealous about, by the way. (laughs) And so can you really, like, picture that in your mind, like the vision of it, the trees, the sky, the smells that were there, any sounds. Can you really get into that? Yep, I can. And now check in with your body. How does your body feel? It's the same. It just feels feels more calm and more relaxed. Okay. Now, if you really want to test this out, this is super cool, okay? All right. So now get out of the Alps for a second in your mind yep. and go to a very minor frustrating thing that's happened recently. You were running late for something or, you know, can you find a minor upsetting thing? Yeah, I when I was in the Alps, I did take a gondola ride between the Italian and French side and that's when I realised I had a fear of heights and small spaces. 
So I'll go to that place because okay. I wasn't feeling good up there. Okay, so okay. go to that place. I've got that, yep. You've got that. Now check in with your body. How does your body feel? It feels more tense. Yeah. That, that would yep. make sense. Okay, so now um, switch. Change the picture in your mind. Get out of that image and go to the image of the Alps and the trees and the smells and the sounds and the hiking and immerse yourself in that image in your mind. Okay, I got that. And can you feel the shift in your central nervous system? Yeah, I can. I felt it in the central nervous system then. The breathing was was calmer, deeper, yeah. So for all of your listeners, like it's two simple strategies, but they're really effective and they really, I think they're really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. We love practical tips here at um, the Holistic U. Let's end it there and we'll, we'll jump into the next episode um, for the next couple of weeks. Um, but thanks so much for your time, Kate. No problem at all. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to the Holistic You podcast, where we inspire you with the confidence to live a happy, healthy and more balanced life. If you found today's content meaningful, please tag me in the stories or posts or follow me on Instagram. Like and subscribe and leave a five-star written review.